we continue this journey of what life is like as we recognize the promised presence of the Holy Spirit with us. Last week, as we began the sermon, we, we rooted ourselves in the early verses of this 12th chapter of Romans, which continues today. In view of God's mercy, we learned that in view of God's mercy, what is worship took on a new definition. And as we journeyed through that uh, conversation, we began to realize that, that our worship, that is, that which we do in our lives, which brings honor to God, is uh, defined also in how we use our gifts together and recognize those gifts so that together we build up the body of Christ and the witness for Christ in the world. That that act of coming together, of being and living out the reality of our place among the many who make up the body of Christ is worship. It brings honor and glory to our God. Now that's not saying that this, this coming together in a service of worship is not a, a rooting place for that, is not a, a place that, that helps to inform and strengthen us for that very purpose in our lives, especially as we come together and hear afresh each day the promise of God, the forgiveness of our sins, the word of God's calling and accepting us as his children. For indeed, that is the beginning place. It is out of that grace that a lifestyle of grace is lived out in our daily lives. But, but the text isn't done yet. Uh, Romans 12 wasn't finished yet. If we're going to work together using our various gifts as the body of Christ, how, how does the presence of God's grace rooted in our hearts and in our identities impact us so that we might live well together. And it begins with this calling in our text today. Sincere love. Now the way it says it uh, can sound uh, uh, critical, can sound condemning. It says, love must be sincere. Is your love sincere? You know, and, and again, we, we want to read in view of God's mercy, not, not instead looking for the judgment and where we fall short, but looking for the inspiration of God's grace that strengthens us in our living, in our loving of God and others. Really, we want to recognize that it's not just about the phrase I, I think of is dressing the way you want to feel. Have you ever, have you ever done that? You, you get up in the morning and you're not feeling good, very good, so it's like, well, I'm going to dress nice and maybe the way I dress will help me feel uh, better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to church and I'm going to put on that happy face so maybe I'll feel happy in spite of whatever it is that's going on in your lives and and often that becomes an excuse to keep people at arm's length rather than let people in who can be an encouragement to us. 
and quite honestly, who might see our lives and allow us to be an encouragement for them as they realize we struggle with the same things they do. Allow Christ to build in our hearts a sincere and honest love and concern for one another. Some of you know this and, and, and some of you don't, but um, you know, my name is James, but I've always been called Jim. But in my family, the term of endearment, which I don't hear nearly enough anymore, but don't abuse it, is cricket. So Pinocchio has been an important uh, uh, cartoon that, with, with cricket, and, and I don't want to be cricket. I don't want to be people's conscience. Uh, but I'm reminded that a part of sincerity is honesty. And uh, a part of what Pinocchio needed to learn before he could become a real boy was to be honest rather than deceitful. How do we find a way to speak the truth in love? How do we find a way to honestly and deeply love one another? Especially if we have concerns about them or for them. Now, you can raise your hand if you want. How many of you think you have a good judgment of character of others? You can kind of tell right away. Good. So, so now I want to ask you this question. You, you trust your gut? You, 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 sometimes you get that, hmm, not so sure about this person. And I want to ask you, then what? Because then what might be keep your distance? Then what might be be suspicious? Then what might be uh, look for other evidence that in fact this person is not a person you should trust? But, but maybe, maybe in view of God's mercy, the then what is, then I need to love them even harder. Then I need to get even closer so that the love of God that can flow through me and my words, those words of grace, can bring transforming love into their lives. Then what may be a doubling of my commitment to stick with them, that the, the hope and the transforming power of the gospel might flow through us into those relationships. Love allowing us to sacrifice, that is, instead of protecting ourselves from those we're not sure are trustworthy, we give ourselves in the love of Christ, in the power of the gospel to be instruments of God's grace for them. Here's a tough one. Marilyn, I thought of you when I saw this uh, hate what is evil because I know that for you, and you've taught me well, that you know, hate is a curse word in, in our house. We, 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 we hate the word hate. No, no, we can't. But we, we, do, we do want to understand that this calling of love for others, this, this calling of how we live out our lives in ways that, that can bless one another is not a calling to give up truth, is not a calling to accept uh, falsehood, is not a calling to uh, tolerate bad actions. It's a calling to 
speak the truth in love. It's a calling to love people even if we hate what we see as evil. I shared last week the heartbreaking journey in Tanzania where I met these eight-year-old girls who had been rescued from sex trafficking. And what an incredible, heart-wrenching reminder of evil that happens in our world. And by the way, it's not Tanzania. It's everywhere, including here. And so are we supposed to tolerate that evil or are we supposed to hate the evil but somehow find the grace of God as he has for us to love people? That's the challenge we face. And so we're called in this text as we, as we seek to worship God, bring honor and glory to God by using our gifts uh, together, uh, serving our Lord. We are to be devoted to one another in love. We are to honor one another above ourselves. One of the questions often becomes, how as a community of faith, or maybe, let me just personalize this, how do you, how do you learn how to be better at accepting compliments, at accepting affirmation? Uh, I, I ask that question because I think many of you are like me. When someone gives you a compliment, you go, oh no, that was nothing. We, we immediately dismiss it, and immediately in our minds we think of ways that we fall short rather than accepting the word of affirmation and allows, allowing it to be something that motivates and encourages us to use those gifts that God has given us to serve others and recognize to God be the glory, and I'm happy to use whatever gifts God provides for me for the sake of the community, being devoted and honoring one another above ourselves, we need to allow each other to speak those words of affirmation. We need to remember how valuable it is in our community to speak those words of affirmation to one another so that we can identify and see the power of the gifts of God in us. And we're lifting up this reality of hospitality and we're recognizing that we read here in Romans that a part of the way we honor God is by being a people of hospitality, by, by welcoming others as God has welcomed us. That same uh, gut check and character in reality can feel the same as uh, the sort of warning signs. I grew up in Los Angeles, just barely into the suburbs. Some of you are old enough to remember the Watts riots. Those happened literally one mile from the house I grew up in my whole life. I learned to check people out as I walked down the street. I learned to evaluate very quickly, is this person safe or not? Should I turn around? Should I cross the street? Should I walk away? And I want you to understand that while there was self-preservation in that, it was pure and utter prejudice. It was absolutely a bias based on external things. It was not anything like hospitable. 
How can we be a church that welcomes all people? How can we allow the character and grace of God to move in us such a way that as I recognize the grace of God for me, I extend that grace to others, especially if they look different from me, especially if they look like newcomers, or especially if they sit in your pew on Sunday morning. I've told you before about my water polo experience where my motto as a fairly large high school student, larger than most of the other players I was competing against in the pool, that I live by the motto, do unto others twice what they do unto you. If they hit me once, I hit them twice or twice as hard. The problem is, is it worked in water polo. The bitter problem is it doesn't work in life. So often we justify our behavior based on the behavior of others and think we're justified in acting the way they do. Rather than asking ourselves the question, how should I behave? How should I act? What is God calling me to do as I respond to others in my life? To remember the grace and love we have received so that we can love others with the love we ourselves have received from God. To to be rooted in grace in such a way that it can flow through us into the lives of others. This empowers us together to together be the community that honors God and again shines the light on his grace. And the insight for me has to do with who we look to. Do I trust my gut in deciding whether or not you're a friend or a foe? Do I trust my gut in deciding whether or not you are trustworthy or I should be suspicious? Or do I instead look to my God, look to the grace and love that God has for the world as he gave his son, and to allow the truth of who God is to be the basis for my behavior as I respond to the people in my world, regardless of how I view them. To have my Father's eyes, to, to allow grace to transform me in such a way that it provides, if you will, a launching point for the love of Christ to be expressed on my face, in my words, in my hands. That God is honored in how we treat one another and especially in how we view and treat those who come into our lives and into our space. We apply the truth and promise of the goodness of God over and above our gut check, over and above our prejudice, over and above our narrowness of experience, Now, having said all this, it it comes to my mind that it would be easy to focus this 
admonition, if you will, on how we treat strangers. But what I want to say to you is really, really at the heart of this, it's about how we are the church. How we see and treat and invest in one another in our lives together as the body of Christ, trusting that my identity as a child of God is rooted in the forgiveness and grace of Christ, and our identity as the body of Christ is rooted in the grace and forgiveness we have as the body of Christ. So that we, again, affirm, encourage, uplift, and strengthen one another in God's grace. That that grace as the beginning will flow into the lifestyle of how we behave as a people of God, which, by the way, establishes this identity that is lived out in the way we walk into the world. We are the body of Christ. Evil cannot be overcome by more evil. Evil can only be overcome by good. It is the lesson of the way of love. Let us indeed overcome evil, overcome suspicion, overcome prejudice, overcome wrongs in the community of faith by sincerely recognizing the love of God for us and allowing the sincerity of that love of God to flow through us as we love one another. Sincere love is not a result of emotional surges. It's the result of obedience to the truth of the identity of the God we serve and whose children we are. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.